That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Medler, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. It was a weekend of shock results and blowout victories as Manchester United lost 6-1, I repeat, 6-1 at home to Tottenham Hotspur, which kickstarted a Sunday that ended with Liverpool losing 7-2 away at Aston Villa, who now sits second in the table behind a surging Everton squad, who will face Liverpool after this coming international break. Got a lot to talk about. Uh, signings, the transfer window just closed on top of all the results that just happened this weekend. So uh, let's just get right to it. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Uh, Andrew is out today. He is uh, <coughs> sick. Sick. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, happened to be sick the weekend after a 7-2 loss. <laughs> I, I I don't know how we let him get away with it, Javier, but we did. Uh, it's it's because yeah. I you know there was a couple times last season. I think it was you know maybe one of those times Liverpool won like four 0 or something. I was like, ah, I'm sick, can't make it on the pod. So well, everyone gets one t- sick okay, day. You're like notorious for that. So no no no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I make it a point it. every time Chelsea has an embarrassing loss to be like, ah, okay, well, there's no point coming on and you know talking us up. When uh, we're doing when we're doing well and not have not been able to show up when we don't, but seven two would have pushed my uh, my, my patience as well. Um, I mean, we might as well just talk about it. I, I think any other weekend, the uh, Manchester United loss would probably be the headline uh, point of discussion that we would just hammer home about what's wrong at United. But for Liverpool, obviously, a team that amassed what was it like one hundred and ninety eight points or one hundred and ninety seven points over the previous two seasons. For them to come out and lose 7-2, you know, Villa don't have a man sent off, uh, unlike a certain other team did. Uh, they just played really well and executed uh, their their uh, their progression of the ball through Liverpool's high press better than anyone I've seen recently. But there's obviously the, the glaring miss of Allison, who's out injured, and you, it kind I, of I was felt like say, Adrian was... like triggered that whole like like that first uh, goal falling apart. Right, that first goal that Adrian conceded was definitely like his fault, and it feels like it felt like as soon as that happened, the Liverpool like backline got a little bit nervous, and for as good as Gomez played against Arsenal the week before, he was so fucking dreadful. Like we've seen him have a couple of these games before, but him and Van Dyke, um, I mean, and this was probably the worst game I've ever seen Van Dyke play. In Liverpool colors, like it was. Oh, well, yeah, that's for sure. That's probably that's probably the answer for most of the players who were out there t- on uh, on Sunday. When I think I thought Salah was the only one out there really who, and then they obviously missed Mane. I know that like Yota has been like, you know, Andrew was hyping him up last week, and you could tell that they really really missed that outlet and that th- it really the Yota defensive work rate. Yota was I lost. Even, I didn't even notice he was on the field for most of the game until I checked the saw the lineups again afterwards and went, "Oh yeah, Mane was out and Yota played." That probably explains something. Um, but the uh, they were they were making a big deal about not the fact that Allison was out uh, in the media like uh, afterwards as they were talking about it. They were making a big deal about the fact that Liverpool continued to play a high line, which I think there is like something too. Like we we've seen teams like. Leads like rip them to pieces at Anfield playing a similarly high line. And I know Villa are a very different profile of team uh, than Leeds, but I mean, in this game, when you looked at the lineup, and I mean, you obviously saw what ended up happening, but when you, even when you looked at the lineup, you saw Grealish on that same wing matched up with Trent Alexander Arnold and Joe Gomez, probably the weaker side compared to the Van Dyke Robertson side. And then you saw Ross Barkley and Grealish just strike up that relationship immediately with McGinn running about and Douglas Louise in midfield and Watkins making those really great timed runs. it You could tell like kind of right away, like, oh, Liverpool are in a bit of trouble here. This is going to be a game that if they win, they're going to have to be really on it offensively. And it turns out not even that probably would have helped because to I, concede I seven say- 
Isn't, didn't you say it was the first time that uh, a champion has conceded seven goals the season first after winning? First time a Premier League champion has conceded, yeah, seven goals the season after winning the title. So, like a defending champion, which is pretty incredible statistic. Liverpool loves breaking those records, so they keep doing it. And <laughs> I was also going to me- I was also going to mention that uh, the the, the, the the joke here is fucking Liverpool. They're always trying to beat United for records. Right. <laughs> United they just conceded wanted to, six. They conceded right. seven. They wanted to. Yeah. United broke the record for most goals conceded, like at Old Trafford in the Premier League, and then Liverpool go and break their uh, their Anfield record for most goals this conceded. Was, this wasn't Anfield. So. This was this was. Oh, sorry. Park. You're right. This was away from home. I, that, that's a little bit better because the, the the United one's pretty fucking embarrassing too. But I thought Nabi Keita who. I guess I think he was all right against Arsenal. This is embarrassing that we lost to them three one because I feel like this Liverpool side is is not nearly as good as the one last season. Well, I mean, and, you, gotta, you, gotta, uh, you have to consider that Mane didn't play. I mean, that's the it, same yeah. for, no, that for was big. when we played them two weeks ago. Uh, but I was no, curious no why. In goal. I, I said to you, I said to you on Twitter, like, how big of a drop off and how worried do you think Liverpool fans should be about Liverpool in the instances where they don't have one of Allison or Van Dijk? Because it kind of looks like if either of those two is missing, just the whole confidence of the back line and the midfield in front of them, everything is just like this cascading domino effect of, of a crisis of confidence where they just don't seem to be that bit sharp that makes them you know what they what they were for the past two years and still are but you're not going to have those players for every game I, i'm just i'm trying to wonder like how, how concerned are you if you're a liverpool fan do you think this is something that could derail a title defense or it's conceding seven I mean, you have absolutely. to ask that question anytime you concede seven goals to that, Aston i mean villa. Yeah, this this result was crazy i mean we would have said if villa won three two we would have been like that was crazy you know villa just beat liverpool three two the fact that they lost seven two and eight, that nine or ten. Oh they no, had it easily so could have missed chances. Yeah, it, it easily could have. Like Watkins had literally an open net that he missed. Also, like, he I've was, seen a lot of Liverpool fans. I think Andrew actually tweeted this. He tweeted this, yes, yeah, in the moment. But Andrew was like, "It was bad luck. We had bad three luck, deflections, three deflection goals, in. right?" But there were a bunch of other chances that should have been goals. So you can't really just say, "Ah, boohoo, deflections happened." When your defense is clearly like consistently letting up these chances. It's it, yeah, it was a shocker. It was the shocker of all shockers, to be honest. Um, but you have to give Villa credit; they were absolutely excellent. And they absolutely, from the first minute though, um, which we've 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 talked about on the pod a few times, Trent Alexander Arnold not being defensively, you know, at par with the rest of that Liverpool backline, and they immediately just went at him um, from just start like to Leeds finish did. in that game, and you could tell that he just got ru- absolutely run ragged. And that Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Keita midfield, I, I'm, Jordan Henderson didn't even come in off the bench. We haven't seen him at all really play this season, other than against in, in the Chelsea game, where um, he was actually pretty good. And I, don't, I think he went off hurt in that game, and I don't know if he's still struggling with like fitness issues, but they really, really fucking missed Jordan Henderson. I, I can't believe I'm saying that, you know, being someone who used to hate Jordan Henderson and think he was shit. But I think he's us another big, big part of this Liverpool side that we gives them just like that solidity. And get better. Like Jordan Henderson right. has absolutely, you know, become like a, a far a very player important player. Yeah. Be. And he's I think he's very important for this Liverpool team. And I don't think like I think the balance is off when he's not in the team. I, I feel like he just prides so much defensive solidity and gives a lot of like long passing. And I don't know, he's just that shield and that that leader in the team that. I know that like Van Dyke's considered a leader, um, but I don't know like, who else on this team you would you really kinda, consider a leader. That's got to kind of sh- like shake your faith in Van Dyke right. as a leader, because you know you see him out there. You know he's p- more pissed off than anyone else in the field, which you would expect. But you know the impact of that didn't seem to have the same sort of uh, outcome, obviously. Um, so that's it's definitely a one bit, to watch. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit more about Villa because I feel like we talked a lot about Liverpool. We should give Villa credit too because, like Ollie Watkins, Alex was talking about this guy in the preview pods earlier in the season. And yeah, I didn't I know mean, what he a would fucking score a game from him against Liverpool. That that was amazing. Goal, he could have had four or five. That that second goal he scored where Gre- he played a one-two with Grealish, so brilliant, timed the Absolutely. run perfectly, cut in on Joe Gomez and just put it top right corner. I, I didn't. I was just trying to figure out who it was until they zoomed in on him and said his name because I, I did not think it was going to be Ali Watkins. But I, I was going to say Grealish has to be the player that you you pick out of this. Like, oh, he's Grealish just was that, absolutely that phenomenal. Five year deal. Yeah. And I had this thought, and I probably should have put it out on Twitter, but I for, forgot to. That 
last year, the player that I thought like most reminded me of the same sort of qualities that like Eden Hazard had when he was in the Premier League was Pulisic when he was healthy. But that was for like just like his explosion and the way he could keep the ball like so close to his foot, like even at such speed. But Jack Grealish has like a lot of like the the sort of decision making and like close control uh, in tight spaces, like gifts that Eden Hazard has and had in the Premier League. And he doesn't quite have like the explosiveness and like the directness and pace of like a Pulisic or a Hazard, but he just the, the decisions he makes and just the quality of touch on everything from balls coming to him to the weight of pass that he plays to someone else. It's he might be the best dribbler in the Premier League in terms of like just he getting wherever he wants to go. Him or He's Nico Pepe. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Him or Pepe. Not, well, I don't know about that. Uh, but <laughs> one more, a couple more shout outs. I thought Tyrone Mings was brilliant. Um, I thought he played so, so well. And I mean, he's, he's been getting England call ups and. I thought he was fantastic on the day, you know, initiating, breaking Liverpool's press all the time. He never, never, almost never lost the ball. Um, and honestly, Liverpool didn't have that many chances. But when they did get chances, Martinez was was fantastic again. Yeah, made a bunch of really good saves, made key saves, and was able to, again, also break that Liverpool press, get the ball out the back. And you could tell, like, you know, the stuff that he'd been learning at Arsenal at the end of tail end of last season, he was he applied it perfectly in this game. And that's three wins in a three wins to start the season for Villa. And I mean, they're already a fourth way from, you know, safety. So even if they have a really dip in bad form in the middle of the season, this this good start to the safety. season could be. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what, 30, 38 to 40 points. We to start off the season with sure. nine points. Come on, man. Like, it's you always can't go 38 to 40 points. You can't go predicting like. <laughs> those kinds of things when we don't know like how the season's going to shape out like I'm just saying starting off as like a potential relegation side yeah, you need like 9 or 10 wins. wins to be safe right to start off with 3 wins it's just like it's I'm sure it's so huge for them and I'm sure they're thinking we can finish top half of the table right now so uh, yeah so that's what I'm, they're thinking yeah well a team that probably isn't worrying about relegation just yet but performed like a team that might be is uh Manchester United <laughs> Who lost 6-1 to Tottenham at Old Trafford on Sunday. <sighs> Where to start? Because they, they we, obviously... Let's just start with the penalty in the second minute. Because both of us were was, just raging. We were just it, it, like, yeah, fuck we Manchester raging, United. But it also, it, it wasn't that surprising. Because it was everything that you expected, like to happen like oh a Spurs defender is going to do exactly like what they did in the Champions League final and give away a penalty within like the first minute or so and this time it was Davidson Sanchez and freaking Martial is running like to nowhere like so the ball's just going out like he's not going to right score. the ball was just going it's, out of play and I was just like I, I thought it was a soft penalty but I guess like contact was made no, and, I mean it was definitely a penalty I don't it's think just it was like, soft. it's what the United it players just, do it was just they just look for these the penalties right so it obviously starts off that way, and then uh, you go right back down, and with the very first, I wouldn't even call it an attack, the very first time the ball goes into the United box, Maguire, Bailly, Luke Shaw, they all have like a brain aneurysm. It was aneurysm. disgusting defending. They all play head tennis to each other, except it's not planned, and it's just like hot potato. Maguire like, ripped Shaw rid of off the ball. They're all just M- shirking the re- responsibility until finally Ndombele just comes in and smashes it into the back of the net. And then we follow that up in the seventh minute with... Kane getting fouled, quote, fouled, and just getting up and playing Son in, and now it's 2-1. And, I mean, that was that was enough for me to be like, okay, I'm in. This is going to be a crazy game. I'm so excited for this game. Like, I mean, I know Tottenham were going through a good period with those two goals in reaction, but it felt like, oh, United might, you know, they might figure something out defensively and, you know, get a lucky goal or another lucky or another VAR decision or something. Uh, and and then the whole Lamella Martial thing just kind of ended the game for me. Like I know there's all the goals that followed, and Tottenham were ruthless and all that. And like I'll, I'll give them credit for beating United six one. They, they could have had like nine or that, ten. That decided the game though. From that moment where you don't send Lamella off for you know elbowing Martial. Yeah, in the I'll face, say I think Lamella should. I think Lamella should have been sent off as well. There, I think that should have been a double red card. I don't know how Lamella didn't get anything. I don't think he even got booked for that. Yeah, well, that was Mourinho telling his uh, telling his players you need to be not dumb cunts, <laughs> you need to be intelligent <laughs> cunts. <laughs> so that came through. <laughs> um, he finally got that message in. The rest of the game, though, you, you do have to talk about mainly uh, Son and Kane, I think, because they obviously both end up with braces in this. Uh, Kane plays a 
great ball to Son for his first, what? and then Son what happened to this in. Son hamstring? Th- gonna be out for three weeks, and then he fucking plays the next weekend. Like, are you kidding me, Spurs? Like, apparently his hamstring just magically healed, and Mourinho fraud is all I'm gonna say. Like, well, but he I just mean, won six one at his old employer. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I mean this this is this is obviously Mourinho's best result. I think you can say. In his time in his last two clubs, like I feel like he hasn't had this emphatic or this great of a win, because people have been calling him like a defensive coach, and he made the joke after the game, like "Ah, I'm a defensive coach." Like, what if what if Tottenham had an offensive coach? They would have won ten or eleven goals, and <laughs> like, like just shitting on everyone saying that it's he's a defensive his, coach. It's probably his best uh, league performance from one of his teams since the six nil. You know. Oh. Very oh, similar Jesus, circumstances. Alex. Jesus, Alex. <laughs> Except- Don't have to bring up painful things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, it really is. That's the last time I can remember a Jose Mourinho team scoring six goals. And, you know, it was, it was the against, first time it was that a uh, similar level of opponent. That Manchester United in, a, in the Premier League have ever conceded four goals at Old Trafford in one half, and uh, that they've ever conceded six goals at Old Trafford. So that was a. Uh, I, I mean, and it easily could have been seven or eight. Uh, and like you said, I mean, it, it really just got killed as a contest once Martial got sent off. But I thought before that Tottenham were completely dominant and looked like they were going to score a lot more goals. And United were in shambles. So I think there's there's obviously some some leadership problems at Manchester United. You know, that thing that Alexis Sanchez said about how he the first day he got to training at United, he was just like he told his agent, like, oh, can we reverse the, the deal? Can I go back to Arsenal? You know that like Donny van de Beek's just like, what the fuck, man? Like. What is this shit? Like, why wasn't Van de Beek playing in this game? You know, I feel like you buy a player like that for this type of game. Well, and That's where you have to turn your attention towards uh, Solskjaer, because they started that midfield of Pogba, Matic, and Bruno. And my first thought was, you're going to play Pogba and Matic together in midfield against Tottenham? Like, you're just going to let them counterattack you like that? Like, they had no pace and mobility in their midfield. You know, Pogba has the ability to get around, but... Pogba was dreadful, too. When was the last time you've Pogba seen Pogba was be really the hard-working... He was, yeah, he was terrible, but I'm also saying, like, in, even without hindsight, going into that game, when was the last time you thought to yourself, uh, yeah, I think we can handle uh, Son... Uh, who else started in the front four? It was, like, Son... Was it Lucas Mora? Who was the w- the other winger? Uh, Lamella yeah, started. Lamella, like San Lamella and Dombele, Sissoko. Sissoko is actually getting up the right wing a lot. Uh, we can handle their pace with Matic, who's almost a, a statue at this point, and Paul Pogba, who doesn't want to run and doesn't want to track those runs. And you can see that blatantly on the Orier goal, the uh, fifth goal. That's, this that's was Pogba's man. He just doesn't track it. And the ball gets played around him. This was Ndombele's best uh, game in a... In a Tottenham shirt, and then uh, yeah, but I it thought was, Aurier but was can, also can brilliant. On, can we stay on Solskjaer for a second? Because I feel like, uh, like, if this happened at Chelsea, like Frank Lampard would be sacked. Like six one, like four nil was like a lot of people were almost there. But in, in his very first game at United, I, I just wonder like where what happened to Manchester United's standards? You know, like if you have a manager like Maurizio Pochettino sitting out there who's been, you know, without a job for years. And this is exactly the kind of job you would like want him to come in and t- make the next step up. Why are you still going with this guy just because he got you third place? Since when was third place good enough at Manchester United? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I agree. It probably agree. has I something mean, I, to do with the fact that they waited until like, the last that, week to do any transfers, really. Right. So, you know, they're I, just I happy. I feel like with they'd getting be using the him as a League. scapegoat. They'd be using him as a scapegoat. And then I guess we can use this to talk about they did make three deadline day signings. Um, they signed Alex Telles from Porto for yeah. 15 million pounds, who is a left back. Who, so hopefully for United fans, they won't have to see too much of Luke Shaw this but, season. But frankly, he's not that good of a defender. He's, he's not. He's, he's more attacking. Slow. Right. He, he's, he's great going forward. I, I mean, I, I kind of play him up as a, like a rich man's Marcus Alonso. You know, he's, yeah, he's going to have good performances this too. year. He's going to have good performances and people will be like, yeah, that was good money spent. And you'll be like, yeah, but there's also going to be a couple times that... He gets absolutely rinsed. You needed a center back, and they sold Chris Smalling to Roma on deadline day uh, and didn't go out and get anyone else. So they're stuck with Lindelof and Bailly and Maguire for practically another full season. It's it's not a good look, man. It's uh, really not. When you're seeing all the teams around and below you, uh, you know, improving in those areas where they all needed to, 
I, I, I don't think it's good enough. Like, uh, can, uh, they also got Ed- Edison Cavani. Can, can he play center back? Does Edison Cavani play hey, center listen, back? Listen, he might have more pace and timing on aerial balls than uh, some of their yeah, center backs. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe all is just like, listen, Edison, uh, we have enough strikers. Uh, we really need a new center back. So uh, you're, you're going to be the, the, the unit in the middle next to Maguire. And uh, they also bought Ahmad Traore, who I had never really heard of from Atalanta. They paid a lot of money for him, like $40 million. Yeah, I, a, I hear that in he's training. Not coming, he, he, he's not coming until January, but he's okay. 18. He's good. But I can't seem to figure out what his actual name is because I, I keep seeing Ahmad Traore one time and then Ahmad Diallo, Diallo, whatever it is, like in other places. So I'm just still confused about that, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think we have to worry about him for a little while longer. But the main point was that they did a lot of their transfer business late. And they didn't. These, do they seem like panic buys. Yeah, they seem like panic buys a little bit. It seemed like you know, just making all these signings that they didn't really need on the last day. I mean, tell us. Yeah, I mean, I guess they needed a left back, but I don't know if this was the right one for them. I feel like they could have gotten someone better than him. Some fifty. They only paid fifteen million for him, which maybe that's a bargain, but. I don't know. I just don't feel like he's United quality, and I feel like these are mediocre signings. They're going to keep this team mediocre, and I am sticking to my they are definitely not making top four this year. So, Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling not as good about it, but you never know what they'll go out and do in January. They would need probably another Bruno Fernandes-level signing, either in defensive midfield or in, defense, or in center back itself to really make that difference. I honestly don't know why more teams weren't in for Thiago Silva, why it was just Chelsea from the very beginning. I thought United and City could have uh, used well, I know like, that considering him. United were in for Gabriel near the end, uh, but we ended up we had already had like so much contact with him and we were already paying you know, ended up paying him good wages. So I know that they were looking at center backs throughout the window, but it seems like no one really wants to go to Manchester United right now unless you're trying to go get paid, which is definitely what Telus and Cavani are doing. Um, so you know, it's not a not not a good pl- not a good time to be a Manchester United fan right now. Sure is not. Uh, Which to be fair to them, they had a lot of good times for a couple of decades. So yeah, fuck they could them. they could use a dark age. How about that? That'd be fun. Uh, okay, a shock result this weekend that I think their fans are going to be absolutely ecstatic about how the weekend played out is West Ham going and beating Leicester City 3-0. Now, West Ham were off the back of beating Wolves at home 4-0 and have followed it up with a performance against a Leicester team that had a 100% record before this, was absolutely banging in the goals. They had 10 right, goals David in Moyes needs to stay games. in his hotel. Right. He can never David be Moyes on the sideline again. Quarantine forever. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like Leicester City were, you know, they were on the proverbial chopping block Sunday morning where everyone, I mean, I don't know if everyone woke up at 7 a.m. in the U.S. to watch this, but people in England saw them lose 3 0 to West Ham, didn't have a shot on goal. Uh, they looked pretty toothless throughout, and West Ham definitely deserved to win. I feel like. They're one of the weird winners of this weekend because, you know, United and Liverpool have followed that up with like two absolute horror show performances. So everyone's attention's turned towards them. Meanwhile, this uh, this Leicester performance after beating Man City 5-2 last weekend, you're just sitting there like, what? Like Leicester didn't even get a shot on target against West Ham. Like, how does that happen? Uh, and just want to say this makes our two-one result against West Ham, We're, you know, narrowly yes, beating them the other it. week. Everything comes back to Arsenal. Yes, yes, we yes, get yes. It. But I did say in that, like, on that pod, that I thought West Ham had played really well and got unlucky to lose against us, and that you know, I know that they didn't play that well in their first game of the season, but in these last couple of games, I mean, West Ham have just looked absolutely brilliant, like defensively and on the ball. And yeah, you I know that you still think David Moyes thing, but like, what right. if he comes back and they lose like two or three nil? <laughs> like, what, what do you do then? Do you just sack him and have that Osborne guy, whoever it was, uh, who's been the caretaker manager or whatever. No, remember, Alex, remember? David Moyes is making all of the decisions. He's he's on an it, iPad. Exactly. He's you know, making that, all the decisions. That trend continued into this weekend, and I was so happy about it. I was... <laughs> the announcers just, you know, definitely were told, like, whatever you do, mention David Moyes is very involved with these performances. But, I just... Yeah, West uh, Ham I think Antonio and Bowen. Antonio, Bowen, and Fornals. I know they all scored, but these last two games... Those three players have just been fantastic. I mean, Antonio's been since the since the project restart, 
you know, since the last season. I think he's gotten the, the most goals in the league along with Mohamed Salah. And um, Fornals has been in and out with injuries. And that, This is the first couple of games that I feel like I've finally seen the Pablo Fornals from Villarreal. Where, like, when he came to the Premier League last year during the summer transfer window, I was like, oh, okay, that's an interesting one. Like, he's one of those ones where if he had, like, a slightly better season, maybe, like, an Everton or someone better than that is trying to sign him. Like, but you're not really sure if it's going to work out. And and then he he just kind of, like, wallows in West Ham's, like, sadness all year and doesn't really get his feet under him. And then in this game... You see him almost controlling everything and then bursting forward and with the, that great run for the second goal and then setting up Bowen for the third. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I forgot this player. I almost forgot this player existed. So he's he's a very interesting one for West Ham. He's and I think Bowen. I mean, Bowen yeah. was phenomenal last week, and you know he came from Hull City last year. He had something like 18 goals in the championship. Yeah, he was doing by, well. by the time January rolled around, so he had he 18 goals that, in the first half of the season. And jumped to the Premier League mid-season. Yeah, and Hull and got he relegated. absolutely, uh, <laughs> and he absolutely, yeah, he he really screwed Hull over. But he absolutely seems to have adapted in the Premier League, and he's looked really good these last few games. And you know, excited to see if if he can keep up this form. And I think we have to. I know that you think it's too early to start saying things like this, Alex. But you know, I feel like with these last couple of results, I mean, I feel like West Ham. We have to maybe start looking at them as not going to be that third relegation person. I mean, maybe it's a little bit too early to call. Well, yeah, because two weeks ago when they really lost their results. first two games of the season, all of us were like, yeah, I feel like they're very deservedly going to be down the relegations. So, I mean, like, two, not that much can change in two weeks. So that's no, why I'm I just agree. like, I, agree, I don't change I, any opinion. Whatever my let's initial keep an opinion eye on was. Them. Let's keep an eye on them. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. Well, we have to mention a team that, uh, I, again, I'm not changing my opinion of, but still had a very impressive All right, Alex, I'm going to make you change against, your opinion uh, right now on Manchester them. City, which is Leeds, who uh, got a 1-1 draw at Elland Road. Uh, Sterling uh, opened the scoring in the 17th minute, and then Rodrigo equalized in the 59th minute. I think Manchester City were outshot like 11-2. to It was... 2.63 expected goals to 1.1. Leeds had 2.63, so they yeah. probably should have won this game like 3-1. And Ederson got to make very unlucky to, to not win this game. I just thought Leeds were brilliant from start to finish. Like I thought that they, they're passing, they're pressing. The way they just went at Manchester City, it, was, it reminded me of the way they went at Liverpool. And I know that they're going to give... A lot of problems to every single team that they play this season. And the reason that is is because of their coach, Marcelo Bielsa. He sits at home and watches every single game in the Premier League. Um, I don't know if every manager does that. I'm sure yeah, I mean, they should say, be. The way they talk the way they talk about Marcelo Bielsa, it makes it sound like no one's ever like worked hard at, at being a manager. It is kind of He's interesting. Just, <laughs> it, I mean, it's just like he what the I guess tactically the way that he approaches these games. Um, how he has his team pressing high, how he has them moving the ball very, very quickly, which usually is the sign of like a really good side of a team that can move the ball very quickly in, in, in close spaces. And I don't know, he just seems to be getting the the players like Bamford and and you know Helder Costa and now Rodrigo to to get a goal. It just seems like he's getting the most out of his attacking players while defensively he's not being the most solid, but he's causing enough problems offensively that they're not going to be getting that many goals scored against them because teams are going to be like, you know, the the whole a good offense can be a good, you know, can be a, a good form of defense. I think that that can be true with this Leeds team. And I, I 100% do not think they're going to be in the relegation battle. I think they're going to be very easily safe. I think these first four games have showed that. And I would be surprised if they you know, don't finish in the top half of the table or at least, you know, 11th or 12th place. So I think they're going to be, they're, they're an exciting addition to the Premier League and I'm not looking forward to playing them twice this season. Hear me now. I don't care if Leeds are eighth at Christmas. They will be at the, in the relegation battle at the end of the year. This is what Marcelo Bielsa Alex does. sticking to his guns. This is what Leeds do. They come out hot They have a bunch of energy because it's the beginning of the season and they're sneaking up on people and all that. I mean, they they may they might even beat Chelsea. I would not be surprised if they beat Chelsea. I would be incredibly offended and very mad if they beat Chelsea. But I I won't change my opinion of them. 
Like, I think they're going to beat you guys. I, yeah, they probably will in one of the games. So they'll, they'll do something, or at least a high-scoring draw or something. Uh, yeah, I think they're a, I think they're a good promoted team, but I'm still not going to change my opinion that, uh, that they're going to be in the relegation battle at least. And like I said, they may be even a few points clear of the relegation zone going into that, that last like five to ten games of the season, the run-in. I'll still be like everyone keep an eye on Leeds because they might just completely capitulate. Like, what did you think of uh, Manchester City's 52 million euro signing, Ruben Dias, on his debut here? Yeah, I was kind of surprised he threw him and Laporte in uh, right off the bat. I mean, not too surprised because it's not like anyone else has been playing that well uh, in defense for them. So why not like just get him out there? Uh, I think he has promise, especially with Laporte's ability to read things a bit more and uh, react. I mean, it's a lot of that is dependent on Laporte staying healthy. But it, with both of them healthy, I think it's a chance to form like a very natural like good fit on paper kind of uh, partnership because Diash is, he, he is more of like an aggressive go and get it uh, and, and be the aggressor and be, uh, and take the initiative to go win the ball back kind of player. Um, and, and like I said, when I think that move was rumored, like he, I don't think he's going to come in and be great right away. It, it might even, it might take a year even. Uh, he might be another one of those signings that it takes a full season before you watch him in a game and think, oh, okay, that player's like used to the pace of the Premier League and what it takes to do well every single week. So it, there's going to be some growing pains, I think. So I thought that last week, I thought Benjamin Mendy was was pretty atrocious in that Leicester game. I thought he was he was very bad again in this game. And I know that we've talked about it last season. I know he's had a lot of injury problems and we were really excited like at the beginning of last season saying like this guy could be the solution to to City's left back problems. But I think a lot like Manchester United, like just defensively, he's just not up to snuff in this league. And, you know, from that winning or that Champions League uh, semifinalist Monaco side that ended up, you know, breaking up and going all different ways. I feel like Mendy's been one player who looked very good on that team, but has not really translated to ever since he left that team. And lucky, lucky for him, Timo Bakuoko uh, took the uh, he took the title of biggest bust from that team. So congratulations, Benjamin. I feel like he's not one that City should give up on just yet. Maybe they should give up on him as like a true left back. I know he played there for uh, Monaco and played well in like an attacking four four two, but maybe you try, kind of treat him like Marcus Alonso now and like play him in a three four three where he doesn't have as much uh, defensive responsibility. He can, just, he can just kind of focus on hugging that left wing and whipping in those crosses. Because when he plays in games against teams that are frankly much worse than City, he can just be dominant. Yeah, he can be, he can be dominant. Space. But when so. City get attacked, he's just he seems to almost always be the cause of, of the goals that they concede. And he just looks very nervous a lot of times when he doesn't have the ball and he has to you know run with his back against the goal. So for me, it's it's the one glaring weakness, much like Trent for Liverpool defensively, that people try to exploit. And obviously offensively, he's still very good. Yeah. And, you know, and there's there no complaints on him there. there but there are other options this there is also, aren't like uh, any better, really. They have Zinchenko, who's good attacking and not very good defensively. Same thing. And Joao Cancelo can play at left back, who's... Yeah, they brought again, on Nathan Ake to play left back in, yeah. in the 71st minute, so... But, you know, you're kind of like... You want someone who's a bit more well-rounded than just, like, a center back playing left back or a winger playing left back. Like, you want a little bit more, like, balance there, but... What we'll did you think of, uh, of Ferran Torres in his debut? Obviously not the result that they wanted he, for these guys' kinda, debuts. He, but He's been kind of quiet every time I've seen him. He looks like a 19 or 20-year-old who's trying to figure out his way into a team full of much better players than him. I was going to say, I feel like Bernardo Silva should have started this game. Like, What happened to Bernardo Silva? Or, or they shouldn't have started Mares up top. I know they don't have many options right now because Gabriel Jesus went down uh, with an injury. So they started Mares as like the false nine. And I mean, I was complaining two weeks ago about how I don't like Sterling there, but he's probably a better option than Mares uh, as the like the central player. Sterling was the one was the one like bright point in this team. I thought, oh, and De Bruyne. I mean, De Bruyne got really unlucky in that first half with that free kick that he had that hit the post and yeah. just barely didn't go in. But I thought that Sterling was good from start to finish. You know, he was that he was a huge threat on that wing and he was pretty much the only outlet on the ball for Manchester City. This is probably the worst. He should have scored that 1v1 that uh, the he Melier he came out and got. He should have scored that one. 
it's uh yeah it just wasn't quite enough for city it was like are the I alarm the bells ringing like are, are are we are we thinking that city aren't going to finish second this season like like i, I kind of think it's possible right now that they, they they could be in and around that like third fourth and when the end I mean, of the season comes, like they're they're not going to be locked for Champions League in the last five fixtures. I mean, are any of yeah? Well, actually, I just kind of answered my own question in my head there. Uh, I would say the alarm bells are probably ringing for City more after that Leicester result than they were after this. Because I don't know. I think there were a lot of factors. I think they in this, played including worse. The weather, including they played like, worse in this. And I thought in the Leicester game they got pretty unlucky. They conceded three penalties. Like Leicester didn't weren't that good. Like we 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 did praise them, but I I didn't I thought they like five two was, you know, too good of a scoreline for them. Like they didn't deserve to win five two, but uh, right. I so, thought City could have scored more goals. But putting that result up against Liverpool's seven two this weekend, like, are you any more alarmed for City than you are for Liverpool? Like I'm. I'm not. Well, I'm just because just because like, this is a trend from City from last season too, from like the, from the from the restart where they were losing and tying games that they shouldn't, and they did not finish out the season. Well, they, they finished out the last like five well, games. Because, strongly. Well, you could also make the but, case that you know Liverpool had the league wrapped up like after two games. We beat them in the yeah, second game of the, the restart. Um, yeah, I, I think there's motivation concerns probably for both teams. Like not really because they're both obviously competing against each other in the rest of the league for the title, but. You know, when these two teams have gone the the last two or three seasons, it's been even longer for City, uh, you know, trying to stay at such like a, a high pace and trying to pay, play a certain way while uh, attaining that, that, that same like total of league points, like 95 plus every year is what the standard that they've both set for themselves. Results like this make you be like, all right, sound the alarm. Uh uh, things might be different this year, and they certainly might. Uh, you, you look at the results like this this weekend and think, "This is going to be a like, crazy season." This guys. is going to be a crazy season. You know, we've got Everton and Aston Villa in oh, first and second. Oh, can we talk about Everton now? Or is that where we're going, Alex? Yeah, we can. I've do been that. waiting. I've been waiting thirty-five minutes to do this. A nice little four-two win at home against Brighton. Uh, they, uh, especially in the second half, really uh, came to life and uh, overcame a Brighton team that were kind of outpossessing them and kind of seemed like they were figuring them out. But Everton just kind of have developed this like ruthless streak about them where they win the ball back high up and all of a sudden two passes later, it's Hamas at the back post. Can I just say, we haven't seen an Everton team like this in the Premier League. There, there hasn't. This is the best Everton team that's ever played in the Premier League. Like, they were missing their the the player that we'd been praising these last these first three weeks, um, Allen, who had been brilliant in midfield. They were missing him through injury. Richarlison went out hurt in the 25th minute, so they had to bring on Alex Wobie, and they didn't skip a beat. I mean, this team was still pressing high, still working hard from the first minute to the 90th minute. Dominic Calvert-Lewin got his fifth goal of the season. Hamas got a brace. Um, I thought defensively they were they were quite solid. You know that it did it the the second goal they conceded was in like the ninety third minute. So you can't even you know it's not like it was really a close game at any point. And yeah, okay, I just thought not, that I mean that's not entirely true though because they they scored the first goal early on, fourteen minutes in. From then until the equalizer was scored, so you know, twenty-five minutes or whatever it was, uh, it, it Everton was all, could have gotten was, more goals. They could have, but it, in terms of possession and control of the game, it was Brighton, and it was very, very clearly Brighton are pushing for. As I was watching the game, I was thinking it's like seventy percent possession are playing for well in this first half to get back into the game. Obviously, the goal they score was kind of bullshit, and it was it was some Pickford, luck bullshit. It yeah. was Pickford screwing up and Malpai Pickford was just in the trash. right area. Right, yeah, Pickford does that. I thought the key moment was when at halftime Lamptey went off with an injury and they lost all of their dynamism down that right wing. And they obviously conceded the goal right before halftime too that really like dulled their spirits. And then they did the Brighton thing of giving the ball away twice in their own in their own defensive third and, you know, paid the price for it. And Everton, of course, deserve a lot of credit for that because it's kind of surprising to see Everton have a player like James Rodriguez that has the intelligence to be in those positions in the in that like amount of space. And it's kind of surprising to see Alex Awobi pick that ball out and to see a player like Decore, who they just signed, pick the same ball out a couple minutes later for James. I was going to say, Decore's been absolutely brilliant these first four yeah. games. Um, and then he had to play with Sigurdsson and Davis in midfield instead of Gomez and Allen, who he's been playing you know in these first three games. 
So for them to still have that power and that presence in midfield and for DeCorey to still be such an influence, first of all, it makes me think, like, why didn't we go for this guy? He was only $25 million. You know, I, I feel like us or United could have absolutely used someone like DeCorey. Yeah, or and Allen, f- either of them. <laughs> right. And I feel like he's going to be, a, you know, one of the signings of the season because I always loved him on Watford, but he was always kind of like the best player on Watford or one of the best players and was always kind of having to, to be that guy who goes forward and gets goals and defends. Yeah, but I feel like he he's not going to have to have that role. Also at Everton. Just go for like 10 or 15 games without doing anything. Well, I There's feel like that's because he was on Watford. On this Everton that was because he was on, on a shit but, team. Well, okay. All right. Uh, I think he was very much a part of that. You know, they did get relegated. It's not like they just had one bad season. Uh, so he, he's, I think he's definitely at fault for that. Yeah, but <laughs> of all the players partially. on that team, almost all of them ended up staying at Watford, except for Decore, who, you know, was bought by Everton. And this kind of continues into like my my Everton take. Who they just bought Ben Godfrey. Who I, I was thinking to myself like, if they end up getting another center back, and then maybe even like go in January and go get a goalkeeper, they are going to be in it till top four till the end of the season. No, nah, I refuse to believe that. And I think that this Everton team is it's very been good. Four I mean, games. They, it's been four games. Talk to me after they play Liverpool. Because literally four games. every time they've put together like even a sort of good like run of form, every time they come to play Liverpool for the past like 20 to 30 years, they've just absolutely shat the bed and been embarrassed. I, I have no stake in the matter. I am neither the red nor blue half of, of Liverpool. That's just the trend. You know, they may put in good performances every now and then, but I, I think... If Liverpool have enough players back after this international break, if obviously Mane returns from COVID and hopefully is okay, and maybe Thiago is back and Henderson's back, I don't know if Allison will be ready, but they have all those players ready. It could just as easily be like a like a six nil Liverpool or like a five two like it's been before. Like that 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 stuff tends to happen once they uh, Everton have to actually test themselves against the very best. So I'm not I'm not drinking the Everton Kool Aid just yet. They've okay. done well. I though. just think that Ben Godfrey. He was probably one of Norwich's best players last season. Really, really good center back. I think he's just going to add to that depth. I think he's going to give them a little bit more speed in the back line, which up till this point, I feel like they were missing a little bit. He can just play that, in defensive that, midfield that, as well. That he's, fast, he's good enough on uh, the ball. Yeah, that fast defender. I think it's just going to add another level to this Everson side. And yeah, I'm really not looking forward to playing them this season. And I think they're, they're a little bit dark horses for that top four. And you know, I'm sure they're, they're fancying themselves for, for a run at at some sort of trophy this season, you know, whether it be like an FA Cup or a Carabao Cup, whatever it is, I, I feel like this Everton side, they're coached by a phenomenal coach in Ancelotti, who's, he's still got it, you know, the guy definitely still has it, he's definitely switched this team around, he has them playing in a way that I've never seen Everton play, at any point, I don't care how good their form has been, I've never seen Everton playing with it's such like hunger, games. I know Alex, but they're the only team that has won their first four games, and they've won it in such yes, and spectacular that's only fashion. Because Aston Villa have only played three. Yeah, I mean it's four games. It, it really like. Do you remember when West Brom two years ago won their first three games and were top of the league and then got relegated? Like I don't care. I don't care. It's four games. All right, <laughs> Alex putting his marker down. But you're calling it top is what four. It is. Like, I, God. You, I'm actually, saying you know they're dark horses This is you giving four. your own team the chance in your heart. You're like, we have a chance. We can make top four. We can do it. We signed Thomas oh, Partey. We We're back in the top now? four is conversation. Oh, Thomas oh, Partey. Party. It's, it's, you. it's a party. Party time. You're not, party you're not singing pa- the right song. Uh, it's the, oh. hey, yeah, yeah. Hey. Don't stop the party. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, Alex. That's what I needed. Great transition. Great Close transition. Close the pod with your with your Arsenal two one win over Sheffield United thoughts and your uh, your forty five well, million pound let's, midfielder. Let's, let's, your fifty million we just, pound before, midfielder. Before we go to okay, well, I guess we can talk about them. Um, and then uh, yeah, I I, I I thought overall for the game, uh, it was a very boring game to watch. Honestly, and I don't say that honestly very often with Arsenal, but. It was, you know, Sheffield United defended really well for the first half, and it was nil-nil, and then eventually we brought on, you know, Nico Pepe for for Eddie Nketiah, moved Aubameyang into the middle, which I kind of, I definitely like when Aubameyang plays through the middle. I think he offers, you know, his runs through the middle are, are a lot more threatening than when he's on the left wing, even though I know he's been playing well on the left wing, but I think if Lacazette's not playing in the middle, 
then we have to play a bombing in the middle. I didn't. I, I wasn't. A, I'm a fan of Enketi as a, like a super sell off the bench. Gives you that energy and that pressing for 15, 20 minutes. Arteta starts him a lot. Going back he does. to last he seems season, to really he like starts Enketia over Lacazette when Lacazette's healthy a lot of times. And like you said, it's for his ability to press and his like positioning. He's a little bit more of a poacher where Lacazette wants to get on the ball and do more things in the game. Uh, but. Was Lacazette like injured or something going into this? I one? don't know. I don't know. He didn't. Um, he didn't get any game time in this. I don't know if there maybe there was a little injury or you know Arteta wants to kind of nurse him, but he had scored in the first three Premier League games we played, so I was definitely surprised to not see him play in this game, and I was not happy with um, our midfield of Ceballos and El Neni. I'm, I'm just so unbelievably happy that we signed a, a world class center defensive midfielder slash like box to box midfielder in Partey because or is it Partey Partey because I, I was not going to be seeing Torreira and Xhaka playing every single game this season so I'm glad that we're going to be able to maybe have like a Ceballos Partey pivot and I think that's going to completely change the look of the team I think getting rid of Torreira who I know that you're you've always been a fan of him Alex and you still kind of think that we were maybe giving up on him a little bit early here but I think you guys gave I, up on him before you ever really gave him a chance like you had you had three or two managers in the time in the two years he was there and they were two of the worst years in Arsenal's like collective history you, you may be right because Atletico Madrid ended up coming in for him and you know signed him on loan I think they paid like a four million four million loan fee and they have the option to buy him at the end of the season so if he plays well you know I think he'll be gone to Atletico and then we also were able to loan out Matteo Guendouzi who you know has not seen a, a minute of game time since that Brighton loss that we had last season where he, <laughs> he told Mayopi yeah told Mayopi <laughs> that he got paid more than him so uh, I'm glad that Guendouzi is going to be going and getting some game time on a decent Bundesliga side and you know go prove to us that you're actually worth that, that shit that you talk man so yeah, overall, good, good, tight win for us, and that McGoldrick goal at the end made it a little bit, a little bit scary. But but they, Sheffield yeah, I mean, they didn't, didn't have really any chances. Like scoring. Yeah. No, Sheffield didn't have any chances the entire game. Uh, Leno didn't have to make a save, so I, I thought a, it was a good win for us. Are, are we a little bit scared about Sheffield that they might be in a, like a relegation no, scrap? That kind of like second I, season hangover. I'm still not. If 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 I have to preach that I'm I'm not concerned about Everton making top four, then I can't say. I'm too concerned about Sheffield getting relegated. I'm I mean, a little all, bit concerned. It's always about possible. That. Like I, I mean, I still think the same for West Ham, and they put together two wins with two clean sheets in a row in the last two games. So, you know, it's it's been a small sample size. We don't know. They uh, they uh, they had a huge uh, injury to Jack O'Connell, their left center back, who I know isn't like a household name or anything, but he executed the role that that position demands like to perfection. And, you know, any sort of interruption to that continuity they have, it's looking like it might be a bit of an issue until they find another player in their squad who can sort of fit in and either do something as close to what their their center backs do or another version of it that helps them just sort of get by because it looks like he's not going to be back for the, the whole season. So I, I think they have enough players. And we actually we need to mention that they signed uh, Rian Brewster from uh, Liverpool. I don't think we... Have, no, we didn't uh, mention that, but yeah, then. that that could they, be they a big signing for them. Record for him, signed like for yeah, like what the fuck, million. guys? Yeah, but what the hell? Like Liverpool gets to sell like one of the youngsters for twenty three or twenty five million, and you know we can we, we can't even sell Guendouzi or or Torreira or I, I don't know. I, uh, uh, it makes me angry to see that Liverpool and, and Chelsea can sell it's some because, of the youngsters for this much because money. Because you have to loan them to places, have them do well in those places, and then other clubs come in and buy them. Uh, yeah, Brewster was pretty good on loan. Take at, notes, uh, Arsenal management. Take notes. Last season. So uh, he might take a few weeks to really get uh, included in that squad. And, uh, you know, he still hasn't had a full season starting in the Premier League. So it might be a bit of a uh, of a learner season for Brewster. And then maybe late on in the season, we see him come on a little bit. But he's definitely a, a interesting and very talented player for a club like Sheffield to get. So. So um, I think they're so going to be Sheffield okay. do have they have their ultimate tonic in the next game. They play Fulham, but after they play Fulham, they play at Anfield. Then they play against Manchester City at Bramall Lane. Then they play against Chelsea, um, and then they play against West Ham. Well, that won't be a problem for them. They they got four points in two games versus us last year. <laughs> 
I'm just saying they could they could be in some serious trouble if you know especially if they only get like a draw out of that Fulham game we could be looking at them seven or eight games in the season and they have one point so I'm just saying when the team starts that badly I know that we saw Palace lose their first like seven or eight games the other season a couple seasons back um, under Frank DeBoer and then still turn around and finish like pretty comfortably outside of the relegation battle so obviously yeah, these first like, 10 games is yeah, yeah. The first that was 10 pretty games, crazy. Absolutely, that, that everyone was betting. Like Sunderland have had seasons like that, where they've like barely uh, escaped, but you know they've started terribly and turned it around. It's it's doable. Um, I think that wraps it up. To be honest, there are a well, ton well, of results to talk about. Yeah, now. I was gonna say let's mention the the Chelsea game. You guys won four nil. No, I don't listen. Your Ben Chill be, God. This will be the only podcast that I refuse no? to talk about a Chelsea four nil win. What, we didn't learn anything ben from Chill this God? game. No, it's uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek on loan to, to Fulham. Let's save it for uh, no? when oh we come back. Alex. Let's What's save it for on? when we come back. Who's this? Who's this can, Alex? Right we now, we can talk about Chelsea uh, in our Champions League group stage preview pod that we're hopefully oh, going to be Jesus. recording soon during this international break. Uh, Javier, I know you don't watch Champions League. I know that's not really been your thing <laughs> the last uh, three or four <laughs> years. Fuck but. you, Alex. <laughs> Uh, but that's going to be fun. So keep an eye out for that one. And then, of course, we'll uh, try and preview the Premier League games when they come back uh, in about Southampton so. getting their first win of the season. Wolves no, as well. Javier, we're done. It's over. We, we God damn it, it, Alex. We recapped it. There, we, we did 50 minutes. Is that not enough for you? No, like, it's never no. enough. I, I got to go. We got NBA finals to watch. So, oh, that's uh, true. It is not a clock. Thank we got to do, do that. We got to do that. Andrew, you're uh, a pussy for succumbing to your body's uh, uh, to sickness unless it's COVID. In that case, get well soon, buddy. Um, and uh, follow us on social media for Andrew, uh, at Andrew Bassaro. Uh, for me, at ASMoss92 on Instagram and Twitter. And for Javier, at JavierRev9 on Instagram. And at JavierRev9 on Twitter. Because he still hasn't changed it, I'm guessing. Uh, I'm going to change it. I'll do no, that. You're, no, you're not. I'll You've said that. that four pods in a row, and you're not going to change it. I know it. I'll do it, Alex. <laughs> I'll do it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.